As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, such a weird time in the NFL right now. I had some time with no Rams game over the weekend, looking at the NFC, and I'm going, what's going on here? <laughs> like... My goodness, they're, they're, the NFC East, they, they can't lose. Everybody's going crazy out there. Uh, the New York Giants are in a playoff spot. And here out West, everybody's just middling along. And even down in Tampa Bay, they're struggling. Green Bay is having problems. I'm going, what in the world is going on here, Jordan? But uh, the context behind that is, you know, the Rams went into the bye week. Uh, they They can't feel great about their record. But at the same time, they're right in this thing. Like he, they, they've had so much go wrong, all these injuries, you know, whatever's going on with the running back situation, potential trades. But still, we sit here, Jordan, and as they come back this week uh, to get ready to face the San Francisco 49ers, everything is still right there in front of them. And I, I feel like they have to feel pretty good about that. All things considered. Yeah, when I'm looking at their schedule, I down the stretch here, I get a much different impression of it in some ways than I, than I had when I, when it first came out kind of seeing what we've seen some of these teams devolve into, you know, the chargers look shaky. The Raiders look shaky. We thought that, and the Broncos look terrible. We thought that all of these, we thought this was going to be a gauntlet for the Rams. It still might be, you never know. It's a long season, but the way things are now, uh, as of this Monday morning that we're recording this episode, it Tampa Bay looks really shaky. I mean, it's it's like one touchdown and twenty two drives for the Buccaneers. Is that? I mean, I I saw that. <laughs> I haven't yeah. been following them super closely, but I right. I saw that tweeted out the other day and or yesterday. And um, you know, getting to watch the games was really fun. Um, the Seahawks yeah. look really good. Um, Gino's cooking, and yeah. I think it's interesting too because you know the the Rams have yet to play the Seahawks. I think. Um, you know, that we're, we've yet to see that sort of cycle devolve out, you know, Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins back looking very different than they did at the start of the season. Um, one more matchup against the 49ers, the Rams, I think, want to take this one for more reasons than one. Um, <laughs> always want to beat the division rivals, but I think this one has a little more juice to it this week than if that's even possible, frankly. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because that that's that backstretch as the Rams, they believe, I mean, we'll find out more from Sean McVay later today. So if you're listening to this right now, it might, some of the information might be data. We're going to keep it a little bit more general, but they do believe that they're getting healthier this week, next week, heading into really this deep stretch, um, the deep lunge of their 2022 season. And I do think that there's a lot to be optimistic about if you're this group in terms of they kind of hit rock bottom a couple of weeks ago when they were on their sixth offensive line and <laughs> in in five yes. weeks and yes. and you know it's just it's it's one of those things where health has been such a huge factor with how this group has started the year and I think 
through all of that, and we'll, we'll get into this on this podcast, Rich, is through all of that, they have to stay anchored to a few key tenets, which is what they need, what their window realistically looks like, how they go about achieving that with the assumption that the cat, the catastrophe that they've faced in the first five weeks, six weeks of the season injury wise is probably not going to be the mean. Um, it, yeah. you know, if you look at their since 2017 overall, it hasn't been the mean of their seasons. So I think they're thinking, okay, now that they're getting steady a little bit, what are some core tenants and some core things that they need to achieve and accomplish in order to make sure that this team is remaining a contender? Because even heading in, you know, after that positive game against Carolina, defense is like number three in the NFL, according to PFF. It's like yeah. fifth in DVOA. It's doing a lot of good things really well, not rushing the passer well, not taking the ball away as much as they want to. But like I said, this defense is not in their final form yet. Um, so I think on the offensive side, a lot more to be worried about. But again, you're getting some guys back and you're moving some things around. So long way of saying, yeah, I think, you know, they're standing on a little bit steadier ground than it felt like a couple of weeks ago. But coming out of the bye, what an opponent to have to face. Ooh, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons that you said and a couple more that we're going to get into here in a second. But yeah, it's funny how these things work out, Jordan, right? Because you don't you obviously don't get to pick your bye week. You don't uh, you don't get to set that thing. But um, but, I, you know, for a number of reasons, I think this is about as good of a bye week placement as you can get for the Rams in terms of injuries, in terms of the trade deadline, in terms of kind of exactly what you just explained there kind of taking a step back and looking at yourself, self-evaluating as the Rams always do. Who are we? Who do we want to be? Who can we realistically be? What do we need to change to to accentuate some of that stuff or to improve some of that stuff? So they're three and three, not where you want to be. But again, you look at it, you come out of the bye week. If you happen to beat the 49ers uh, this weekend, then you're in first place. Uh, after all of this, all of this stuff that we've talked about, you can still be a first place team uh, if, if you win one more game. Now, the 49ers. Oh, my goodness. So not only is this always a big rivalry game, not only is it a team that historically the last few years has given the Rams rather significant problems other than one notable game. And the 49ers have acquired Christian McCaffrey is probably everybody who's listening to this podcast already knows that went down late Thursday night. He did get into the game over the weekend. So he is now officially a San Francisco 49er. All right, Jordan, let's break this down because you've been all over this for a long time now. You've been you've been digging and digging and digging and digging and you were able to get some great stuff on this. So let's go with what we know. Right. We know that Christian McCaffrey is a 49er. We know that the Rams were in on this, that they had significant interest. Um, we know what the package that it took to land Christian McCaffrey, which is pretty much a draft pick in every round except the first. I think it was a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Um, so let me throw it to you this way, Jordan. As we sit here now, knowing all of that, why... What are the what are the main reasons why Christian McCaffrey right now is a San Francisco 49er and not a Los Angeles Ram? Well, uh, the she the takes short... a deep breath. <laughs> so I'm going to take you guys back through this process because I think there are some things that now I'm able to report that maybe weren't um ready to be reported at the time. And so I just think that having the full context of the situation, the short answer to your question is because the 49ers offered a better trade to the Panthers in the Panthers eyes um, to get Christian McCaffrey. And that's why he's a San Francisco 49er. The long answer is this. Everyone take a sip of your coffee and buckle in. Um, going to tell you guys a story here <laughs> gather around gather around children <laughs> well, let auntie jordan tell you a story here <laughs> i need a crackling fire behind me um okay so back in my day no um so <laughs> so last week i had heard that that the rams were among the teams who were interested in christian earlier in the week and you'll see there's some stuff that we had out uh at the athletic that we're sort of saying it without really saying it as these things tend to happen in terms of evolving reporting and evolving situations. 
We had a story up about the Bills, the 49ers and the Rams and potential offers that it would take. Um, my offer to Joe Person, who declined it, um, foreshadowing of what was to come. My yes. offer to Joe Person, the Carolina Panthers beat writer who was sort of managing the trade for our purposes, um, was a future second, a future third. That is what I had heard would be a realistic sort of parameter of what the Rams would be comfortable with offering. We'll get into what really happened um, in, in a second. And it, it, those were the teams that were interested. I had also actually heard that Denver was interested, um, but they sort of dropped out quickly, be- especially the way that their season's been going. It was more like a, well, we we would have been more interested if the, se- if the season hadn't been going the way that it was going in their regard. And I also heard the Eagles were kind of lurking around there, which is, I think, any smart team when a player of McCaffrey's caliber becomes available, you know, smart, aggressive GMs, the, the, the Denver Broncos, I understand their season looks a certain way at this moment, but George Payton is a smart, aggressive GM. Um, Howie Roseman, smart, aggressive GM. Um, you know, th- these teams that are in the mix are teams who are thinking that they could, who are legitimately in the mix, Brandon Bean, um, how you know Howie Roseman kind of lurking, seeing how the trade value shakes out. John Lynch and Les Snead, these are well-run teams that believe that they can contend this year, right? And so ultimately, that's what it shakes out to. When you see the negotiation escalate this way, it is because the teams who ultimately went went for it, like with hard offers, which were the Rams and the 49ers, the Bills, it was sort of like, interested but oh my god no way are they gonna are they gonna go with because <laughs> at, at one point it was like the panthers wanted multiple first rounders and then the bills were like no we're not doing that right. and then then it was like okay well a first rounder and the bills were like no we're not doing that <laughs> um and then the teams that were actually doing hard offers were the 49ers and the rams who didn't have first round picks so it was like okay what can you manufacture to create quote unquote a first round pick or the capital required. Ultimately, I think the Panthers, that maybe is better for the Panthers that it worked out that way. Um, And I think if they use that capital correctly, they will see that. Anyway, this is escalating. The Bills aren't really in it. It becomes clear by Thursday morning-ish that it's the Rams and the 49ers who are on the table. What essentially happens next is, um, you know, what I had heard um, from multiple sources with direct knowledge of the negotiation process and the situation is that Christian was fu- like, fu- like happy with either. Obviously he has some close personal ties with San Francisco. So that really makes sense. And and that Shanahan um, foundational sort of friendship really makes sense. And so, and, and obviously the player doesn't get a ton of say, but the Panthers obvi- also knew that in fielding these particular offers, they were also going to probably do right by the player in one way or another. Mm. So now it's about maximizing capital, right? So the 49ers, it's the 49ers offer was a hard offer of uh, second, third, fourth, and fifth in 2023. Um, so basically, like you said, a pick, a pick in each round. The Rams, like I said, they had the the future second and the future third on the table, um, and they didn't have the fourth. So they knew that they were going to have to sort of make up some of that flexibility with the fourth on the back end. This is where they sort of hit a stall. You know, obviously Cam Akers has been on the trading block. That was discussed. Um, obviously, you know, a, a future late round pick, that's discussed. Those types of things. But what I kept hearing and what was kept, you know, kept being reiterated, not just from, you know, team sources, but from league sources as well, is that the Rams were not willing to overcompensate on behalf of that missing fourth rounder on the back end. So when it all shakes out, if you just were to line up the rounds, the picks offered like round by round, right. you'd see the gap, that fourth rounder. And you think, oh, it's the fourth rounder that that made all the difference. The one that the Rams traded for Sony Michelle in 2021, he became a crucial part of the, their November stretch, helped them win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, that fourth round pick is missing. So you think, oh, okay, well, the Rams just didn't have enough picks. That's actually not the case. That's not right. true. Right. What happened was they weren't willing to manufacture the the load that it would take of 2023 and 2024 mid to late rounders in order to make up for a 2023 fourth rounder on the front end 
in which the pan- that the Panthers wanted because they think that they are a quarterback away and they think that they're going to be good quickly after they get a new, you know, if, if Steve Wilkes stays or if they get a new coach and then they get that quarterback. Right. So the, all that to say, it's the 49ers won, won the trade, quote unquote, in terms of they they have Christian McCaffrey, they signed Christian McCaffrey, but there was a certain point where the Rams balked and they weren't going to sit there and make up for a missing 2023 pick with a crap load of, of other picks on the back end. And right. so in that regard, I think that other than not having Christian, who I think his skill set is phenomenal and I think he could have helped this team and I think that they were obviously bummed to lose out on him and not to have him around. I think that there's that factor, that emotional factor that plays into it. But from a strategic factor, I think that in the long term, this was probably smarter for the Rams not to have made this particular trade. While at the same time, I think it was a really smart trade for the 49ers to make. Right. You know, because ultimately what it will all depend on. And we it's the same thing with the Rams and Von Miller, or Matthew Stafford from two, uh, a year ago. Ultimately, they made the trade because they think that they are a Christian McCaffrey away from right. being legit Super Bowl contenders, and he can push them over the edge. That's why you make these types of trades in the modern NFL with teams that are in playoff contention, thinking that this player can get you a step closer to actual Super Bowl contention. Yeah. And so if they do get to the Super Bowl, hell, if they win the Super Bowl, you can't argue really with the package that was offered for this trade. In the short yeah. term, it looks like a heck of a lot. Uh, of overpay for um, even a player as talented as Christian, considering the injury history and considering, you know, his age and, and the wear and tear of the position itself. But at the same time, if it, if it helps get them to the Super Bowl, then it will have been worth it. That's the thing. So you can be the Rams and maybe in the long term be okay with the fact that this trade didn't work out while also you can be the 49ers and thinking that they made a, you know, that they did right for where their team build is at right now and where their window is at right now. While also thinking, Hey, the Panthers kind of got a good, they got a good deal out of this. If they use those picks, right again, they could blow it on the picks, but if they use those picks, right. You know, I think that the Panthers really did, did themselves a solid in, in making this trade in the first place. And so it's, it's never one thing or the other, and it's never as, it's very fun, I think, to frame it as, oh, the Rams traded a fourth round pick to help themselves win the Super Bowl last year. And so they didn't have the fourth round pick this year. And that was the right. difference. Like, it's fun, I think, I think right. in terms of like selling TV or whatever, like it's right. fun to frame it that way. But it's really not true to the nuance of how these trades work in that there's an opportunity to make up for that fourth rounder on the back end. It would have taken a lot more than what the Rams put on the table. And if they were to equal that out, the trade structure would look, the term structure would look totally different than what it does when you kind of line it all up in its current iteration. But the hard offer um, that would have, if if both of them, like, like, let's say they eventually equaled each other and the Panthers just played the long game with this and just strung it out longer, which they weren't going to do because they, you know, had to move on and and all of that. The trade terms, as they would have shaken out to fully equal each other, would have looked very different than what they look like now on the Rams end. But they weren't going to make up for that fourth um, and and honestly, that, that fifth too. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to make up for that on the back end with a whole load, a whole mess of picks that they probably are... Um, going to use in other ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, you know, the way to look at it, I think, and you might even be able to tell me what the a website is here. If you, if you think of one, feel free to jump in. But, you know, I mean, think of those draft picks as having a number attached to them or a certain value attached to them. And and that's kind of how people look at these trades sometimes. It's not, uh, uh, oh, the Rams didn't have a fourth round pick, so they couldn't match what the 40. Well, OK, yeah, they couldn't match it pick for pick. But I, I know what you're saying here, Jordan, is like every one of those draft picks has a certain value attached to it. And if you if it's not going to be a fourth round pick, then the Rams have to find that value elsewhere yeah. to to reach the equivalent of of that fourth round pick. So Which they had the opportunity to do absolutely and, elect, and elected to not do that. That's right. the, that's the nuance here of the situation. Right. It's not that they couldn't. It's, it's that they reached a point where they said, well, we're not going to it's not worth it to spend that other capital that, w- that we would have to spend in order 
to match that fourth round pick. So again, you're right, Jordan. It's it's fun to look at it and say, oh, the Rams couldn't make this trade because they traded for Sony Michelle. Well, no, that's that's not actually true. I mean, did it did it complicate things a little bit? Yeah, it, it added a layer of complication, the fact that they didn't have that fourth round pick, uh, but it did not in any way preclude them from putting together a package that that exceeded uh, what the 49ers did. That was a choice on the Rams part. Yeah, and to continue the thought exercise too, there's nothing that says that these teams will have the same or similar records by the end of the year. So even let's say you right. have the same pick allocation right. and you've laid the same pick allocation on the table, you still have to then maneuver and navigate to factor in and account for value for record because that's literally where the team is picking in the rounds. And it also is applicable to that specific value of the pick. So yeah. it's never it's never just a black and white thing. And like I said, it's when you line them all up, all the the sort of the, the offers, when you line all the, the the picks up next to each other, you're like, wow, it was the fourth rounder that made the difference. And also, like I said, I get it. Like that's fun framing and it's yeah. drama and it's, you know, it it gets viewers and it gets page views and it also gets probably like an extra little boost in the TV ratings. But like at the same time, (laughs) when you're looking at how this really is unfolding behind the scenes, it's just a lot more complicated than that. And it was a choice uh, of sort of a fork in the road. The Rams either go quote unquote all in for this player um, and and make a push. Who's to say that their offer would have even won out in the end in that regard either. But like, let's say they make a push um, and it's and it beats the offer, or let's say they make a push and and Scott Fitterer decides to pick this one. Let's say they make a push and Christian McCaffrey kind of makes a preference known of where he wants to be between the two. I mean, all of these things could have complicated the situation in this hype in this hypothetical scenario, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And yeah. the fork in the road really came when on Thursday morning when the Rams had the opportunity um, to counter sort of that load and chose not to and kind of just hoped at that point but sort of the reality struck i think i think it 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 was (laughs) there was a definite sense like i was pre-writing articles let's just say that (laughs) like there was there was a definite sense by late late afternoon early evening thursday that this one was swinging the 49ers way yeah i've always i've said this before i don't know whether i've said it on this podcast but I would love my, my idea for a website that like 10 people would read is to publish all the stories that we never published, uh, like the stories that we had written up that, that never, never came to pass for whatever reason. I know. Uh, I'd love that. But, but <laughs> in this case, in this case, I was pre-writing because uh, either way, myself and Joe person in Carolina, we were the leads on this. And so um, I was pre-writing uh, toward the 49ers in that regard because it yeah. already it was Thursday evening. It had leaned definitely leaned that way. So we were yeah. kind of just yeah getting everything ready to go. Um, yeah. And Tim Kawakami wrote a great wrote a great column he that did. sort of advanced the trade as well. So yeah, yeah, you guys were were all over that. So it was impressive, impressive work, and uh, it was just a fascinating trade. And we'll we'll see how it goes. And like you said, Jordan, this is not again. Everybody wants to, to jump on with the instant analysis. I understand it's part of the game. It's 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 why we pay attention to sports because we like to talk about sports and and dissect everything. But uh, the bottom line is, if the if the 49ers go on to win the Super Bowl this year, next year, whatever. It won't be an overpay, uh, just in the same way that nobody from the Rams looks back at Matthew Stafford and says, oh, that was an overpay or looks back at some people do, which is wild to me. But it, Rams know. people do. No, no, no. Not. Rams oh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm no. Saying, Rams fans are. No, they're smart. Like, yeah, no, no, no I'm I, saying in yeah. general, like sure. I was going to make a joke that it's like, oh, if if the Rams traded for Christian McCaffrey and then won the Super Bowl, people would still be calling it an overpay because, yeah. They right. did that with Matthew Stafford and with Von Miller. And it was right. like, they won the Super Bowl, guys. I, like, it, what, It's what the only doing? thing you're trying to do. The only <laughs> thing you're trying to do is win the Super Bowl. Like, I don't I don't understand the mindset. And I really don't see this too often in the NFL, but you see it in other sports. Like, I see it in hockey. You see it. It's, it's sometimes you wonder if teams are, are trying to be like, you know, uh, above average. And it's like, what's the point in that? Like you, 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 your goal is to win the trophy. It's to get the rings. Like it's, it's fine to be a consistent winner, but what's the point? Like what's the, if you're an NFL team, what's the point of being consistently 10 and seven? Like 
it's fine. You, you know, your fans are, you know, moderately happy, but your goal is to win the trophy and, and you've got to go for it. And it's just so hard. We've seen it time and time again. You can have a great roster. You can have a great coaching staff and you still don't take home that trophy. And if you have that opportunity, if you see that window, if you see, as you said, Jordan, that one area that you think it, this is our this is our point. This is our point where that we need to upgrade. You've got to go for it. You've got to go for it. It may end up backfiring on you. But, you, but you've got to go for it. And that's why I don't fault the 49ers at all for what they did, just as we haven't faulted the Rams for uh, for, for going for it in certain instances where you go, oh, my goodness, look at what they're giving up. Um, but, uh, but it ended up with a parade and a trophy and rings, yeah. and that's all that really matters. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is interesting too, though, because it's it's sort of the model that the Rams set themselves. Like, yes, picks for player trades have happened, but these specific trade deadline ads that for contending teams, like that yeah. specifically, is an interesting piece of the model that the Rams sort of set up um, and showed that it can work. And I think that 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 part of it's interesting because it's like they showed that you can still operate in the life after that. The Rams are not playing good football right now on the offensive side, but in general, you can still exist in the life after that. And it's worth it if you do it and then you win and win it all, frankly. And I think that that's, that's something that's probably really enticing to a team that's in some ways similarly built in that the dependency on the middle and later round draft picks to contribute you know, nothing to say of the the coaching staff and the ties there, obviously. Um, right. But in terms of that sort of ecosystem that's been set up, it's something that they haven't pushed this far, I don't think, before in this regard specifically. And the Rams sort of set a layout. So it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, you see the joke, oh, you know, they F them picks or, you know, oh, they don't have the fourth rounder. So F them picks, right? Or something. And it's like, okay, well, they're doing this now like they've right. they've invested now like they've they've committed and there's no going back from this now right. you know they went out and they right. got who they thought was their quarterback obviously that didn't work out the way that they thought because of injury and, and all of that so Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, starting for them now but in general I mean they went out and they got their quarterback just in a different way than the Rams did they got who they believed was their quarterback right. and then they pushed their build sort of past the point of no return at this point now. Mm-hmm. The Rams did that a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's and it and it worked. So it's like yeah. 
you know, okay, it's all fun and games till you realize you're right in the middle of the meme, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Suddenly you are the meme. Suddenly you are the meme. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's fascinating study. I mean, we, like you said, Jordan, we're right in the middle of it right now, you know, and I'm wondering how uh, in, in, 10 years or whatever, 20 years when, uh, when you're still doing this and I'm, I'm uh, long gone probably, but, uh, you know, how, the, how we're going to look back and process this kind of period of, of team building and, and did it, did it change? Did it fundamentally change, uh, the way that the teams are built or the way that these, these trades are made? I, I, I think in a way it has, it's, it's, a, it's closer to the model of, um, obviously it's different in say baseball or, or hockey, but you know, you get to the trade done, line and, and these prospects just start flying around. Uh, obviously, that doesn't happen the same way in football, but uh, but in, in other sports, it does with the prospects. And you just say, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going for it. We're, we're going for it right now because uh, this is this is our time to win. And especially in a salary cap league, like, say, the NHL, um, you, you see your window and you see your needs and you see an opportunity to fill it. And you say, this is our year. This is our chance to, to win the Stanley Cup. And we need to fill that hole right now. And uh, and a lot of times it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So uh, for the Rams, it worked out. They've got a Super Bowl trophy. Everything that they did is worth it in, from my perspective. It is just anything that you do is worth it if you can get that trophy. And the 49ers are now trying to put themselves in that same conversation. And if they win the Lombardi trophy, they will raise it and say it was worth it. And their 49ers fans will say it was worth it. And uh, I, I completely agree with that. So I don't uh, I don't uh, discount a team for doing that at all. But I also don't, don't discount the Rams for knowing where that line is and saying, yes, we are aggressive. Yes, we are that team that goes for it. We are that F them picks team. But we also know where the line is and we're not going to be we're not going to be uh, destructive about it and, and, and blow up our opportunity to do other things potentially. Yeah. Um, So I respect them for that too. Yeah. Good point, Rich. And I think it's interesting because they kind of deviated from their, from their model this spring, they went out and they signed a high dollar receiver, which they don't, they wouldn't usually do. Um, They would more so, you know, trade or make the the investment in-house and that's kind of historically what what they'd done in the past with their higher paid pass catchers and then they went out and then they got bobby wagner um an inside linebacker and you know contractually it's not like they're selling you know selling their future for that contract um it's pretty it's team friendlier maybe than you know some of the really crazy high dollar team builds at that position and the rams just don't historically invest though in sort of the veteran free agents at the position and um i'd say first of all i'd say that that one is working out quite well i think yes (laughs) Um, the other side of it i think we're we've seen alan robinson start to scratch the surface of what he's actually going to be able to do for this offense i think they need to carry that positive progress and momentum forward yeah post by um that's another topic probably for after this week and after the week after um yeah in terms of the the context of this trade specifically, Rich, going after a running back, and yes, again, I know I I've been watching the guy since Stanford. Like I know I covered him. I know what he is capable of. He is a supreme talent. He's um, very gifted and can do more things than run the ball. I understand that. But in terms of the wear and tear and the yeah. devaluing of the position of running back in general and the outsized contract correlation to maybe the production um, overall, that to me, that would have been way deviating from their model. And yes, they knew that they were going to have to be do things differently um, in order to continue to stay con- in contention and stay competitive, not just in the way that they play football, but in the way that they build their team. But at the same time, to me, it's like, if you make this trade, you've now crossed into something that you territory that you're not sure your ecosystem can sustain because it doesn't match the rest of what you've done with your ecosystem in terms of the positions that they've invested in. That brings and, me. Well, I was going to say, and yeah. they just got done. I mean, not just got done, but I mean, they still have the whiff of the Todd Gurley situation to yeah. remind them how, how tenuous that can be. Yes. Yeah. And that brings me into this pre-trade deadline. By the time we talk to you guys next week, 
the things that they will do may have already happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so we better get it out of the way now. Uh, yeah. November hope- 1st trade deadline. So yeah, yeah a week uh, as, as we sit here recording now, it's it's Monday uh, the 24th. So we are obviously eight days away from, from that trade deadline. But as Jordan said, and as correctly predicted uh, last week, that the teams aren't going to wait. And obviously teams did not wait uh, because there was a, a big move made for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but it leaves the Rams still with all those assets that they did not move uh, and the potential to to make some upgrades here, Jordan. So let, let's talk about it. And again, with the caveat that we don't know what's going to happen here. Other trades could be made. Guys could be moved. Um, so we are we are making, uh, you, you know, kind of kind of educated. What do we say? Educated, educated hypotheses, e- educated <laughs> hypotheses. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> I need to write that down. Um all right, so let's look at it. If, if, if you're looking at it realistically, if you're looking at a, a pie-in-the-sky scenario, you might look at, I'm going to say, and correct me if you, if you disagree, Jordan, but I'm going to say three areas that ideally, you know, if you had unlimited uh, uh, resources and unlimited trade partners, you would probably want to upgrade the edge rushing. Um, the Rams were obviously interested in upgrading or changing the running back position, as we just saw. And I think you would still look at the offensive line as an area. Again, ideally pie in the sky that you would love to upgrade if you if you had the opportunity to do so. I personally, just me speaking, I don't think it's realistic to think that they're going to upgrade all three of those positions right. um, in the next week. So. As you look at it, Jordan, with your educated hypothesis um, it, and in the in the wake of the of the Christian McCaffrey move, um, do you see the Rams now prioritizing any of those areas and or what do you think is most realistic for them now over the next seven to eight days? I know you've tweeted a, a name or two here, so you've been dropping a couple names, but um, but based on the based on the whole scenario here, the whole environment, where, where do you what's most reasonable or realistic for the Rams right now? So I would say this. Um, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Rams maybe make a smaller move along the offensive line sure but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest that they are banking on the return of most of their starters plus the emergence of Alaric Jackson at left tackle um it wouldn't surprise and then they have depth now in a small sort of a small move they made pre-bye week at tackle swing tackle um it would not surprise me if they felt that with the people they have returning along the offensive line they kind of went with their plan A, which since May-ish has always been to see what's possible at pass rusher. Um, this isn't, this is something that once they lost out on Von Miller, it was sort of like, okay, do the long play into the trade deadline because first of all, you're not sure who's going to be available dependent on how some some seasons go, you know, kind of probably watching Minnesota season, watching Denver season, watching Chicago season um, for, for various potential opportunities there. Um, you know, Carolina, although Brian Burns allegedly is not on the trade block. Um, I think everybody is not who's not named Aaron Donald is tradable in general in the history of the league, but yes. um, that's just me. Um, but the monitoring certain teams, whether they are steady enough to want to keep all of their players, whether they're heading toward um, being sellers at the trade deadline, um, which I hate that phrase, but like being willing to move, you know, move players at the trade deadline. And the long play in this regard would also give them an opportunity to see what they could do with the guys that they have and who may or may not emerge. I would say This comes with the caveat that, yes, teams are scheming the ball out quickly away from their pass rush. Yes, um, the Rams haven't gotten a huge opportunity to really truly rush, meaning um, playing with a a substantial lead going, you know, teams are passing. Teams are passing the ball against them, but it's not even in some of the games. It's like catch and runs, the Cowboys and the Panthers, it's like screens and catch and runs and things like that. Um, even the 49ers really lean on that catch and run game, get the ball out and away from Aaron Donald, all of those types of things. So 
based on opponent, like they haven't really had a chance to truly rush. But what tells me that they're maybe not thrilled with where things are at right now is that um, not only are have they now started moving Aaron Donald opposite Leonard Floyd, um, where you can work him into space and away from some of the doubles, but you also now have you can rush with four now at that point. And Raheem's Morris's public comments that he'd like to rush with four because then they can get more aggressive with how they they pull their DBs down closer to the line of scrimmage while still keeping that shell intact. But you can pull your DBs down a little bit tighter because you have more help back there. You're not sending extra guys to rush, uh, therefore eliminating them from the pass coverage. Um, you know, he's made public comments about that. The Rams are blitzing at um, all, nearly a league high rate at this point. And that's just not something that within the structure of the way that this defense works the best. We saw this through the back half of the entirety of last season when Von Miller started coming along, like this defense really started cooking, could take the ball away, could capitalize on the splash plays and the make a difference plays, could change up their coverages. They were playing, you know, Jalen a little bit tighter. They were doing a lot, a lot of different things with their coverages and they were able to move Weddle around. Like all of these types of things were possible because they were able to more consistently rush for and you just really haven't seen Justin Hollins or Trell Lewis emerge. Um, someone tweeted at me, get some of the guys on the practice squad an opportunity. If they thought that they were in the rotation, they would already be in the rotation because what tells me that they're not happy with their pass rush is the way that they're manufacturing pressure. When you are manufacturing pressure at the level that they are right now, it it means that you don't feel confident that you can consistently rush with the guys you have in their truest rush, right? Which is a pass rush, rushing four, running games and stunts and all of that with four up along the line. So, and sending the blitzes when it's best to do so, not necessarily being dependent. It's kind of like the play action stuff from a couple of years ago, doing it when it's best and not being overly dependent on it as a crutch. Um, right. Big difference between the two things. And so I think that that's what tells me a lot about where they're at right now in terms of that priority. It was a priority or think they thought it might be a priority. They gave people time and um, now it's still a priority. So I do expect them to be aggressive in exploring their options there, whether or not that results in a move. You already can. You already know that they have, um, you know, made calls on certain players. You already know that they have established connections with certain um, previous GMs and, and certain things. And you already know what they're willing to offer for a running back, a position that they don't value as much as they value a pass rusher. Right. So I think the Rams have sort of similar to the Kenny Young situation last year, the Rams have sort of opened their books up a little bit and mm. sort of showed and sort of opened this conversation. So I think if you don't see something change, um, then to me, that's a huge mistake by this front office if you don't right. see something change in that regard because right. like I said before I written in the columns and stuff their window is while Aaron Donald is on this roster right once he's not you know you got two years maybe once he's not on the roster anymore then you yeah. you have to change your entire not just your your scheme but also your entire roster construction yeah, well, that'll be quite a day, Jordan, and, and our, our conversations will be a lot different uh, when when that happens. But uh, but yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. it. The way that I look at these trades is in general, I think you look at it as what can you unlock for, from your team? And, and I think the reason and this is just again, just me speaking, I'm not speaking for anybody in the Rams, but the way that I would look at it is the Rams thought with Christian McCaffrey that they could unlock something uh, that he could kind of fundamentally change the way that they do things or take it in a new direction that would be dynamic. And and I think what we're talking about here is in if you add a pass rusher who can be effective, I think that unlocks something in your defense that is already performing at a high level. Um, but a allows you to um, play the way that you want to play and play more effectively. I'm not sure as much as I love boosting that offensive line or as much as I would 
you know, think it's wise to bring in just uh, a slight upgrade at running back. I'm not sure that either one of those is going to fundamentally transform the way that the offense runs. It might get it performing at a slightly higher level uh, because your replacement player is a little bit better than the guy who you had there. Um, but I can see where they were thinking with McCaffrey. OK, this is a game changer. This is a guy who can fundamentally change things that we do. And I do think in, in bringing in, if you can bring in an effective pass rusher, that does that, that, mm-hmm. that affects everybody that affects the way that Aaron Donald plays. It, it affects the way that your back end is able to play uh, that, that has ripple effects uh, across your defense. And, and that's why I think you've seen the Rams make these moves over the years now, whether it was bringing in Dante Fowler, whether it was uh, making the moves that they made last year with Vaughn, uh, you, you've seen them kind of recognize that and, and react in real time and say, Hey, we can, this is, this is one move that can cause a ripple effect that can, that can improve our entire uh, defense. So that's why I agree with you, Jordan. I mean, I think people from outside might look at it and say, well, offense is the problem for the Rams. Why aren't they, why aren't they looking to it? But, (laughs) but the other thing we didn't, we didn't bring up. And I know this is something that's going to be, you know, uh, over the the next few days or next week or whatever. As you said, guys are going to be coming back. Van Jefferson potentially is going to be coming back into this lineup. Uh, the offensive line is going to get healthier. I, you hope. I mean, if it gets if it gets any less healthy, then I don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, there's there's the possibility for internal Kyron Williams potentially mm-hmm. coming back to at the running back position. So if you look at the offensive side, there are options in there that you can say, okay, if those guys come back and they play at a higher level, you can see how that would elevate the offense. I'm not sure on the defense side, you can look at the same thing and say, well, you know, internally, if they just naturally, if guys get healthy or so-and-so, I think that you look at that side of the ball and say, that's the side that needs a little bit of outside boost. Just if we can bring in that edge rusher to complement what, what's already there, you can, that's how you raise the level there. Um, so if that's what the Rams are thinking, and I have, I'm just speaking for myself, I understand that. I understand why you would look at the defensive side and why you would look at the, the edge rusher more than you would look at the other side of the ball. And quite frankly, they just, they have a pretty good track record of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you, they brought in Dante Fowler who was, you know, unwanted basically in Jacksonville and, and he came in and performed very well. Um, and then, you know, last year they bring in Von Miller, who's just off the charts, you know, not only on the field, but in the locker room, I mean, just a tr- fantastic addition that, that propelled them to the Super Bowl. Um, so whether those are coincidences or not, I don't know, but they they seem to have a good track record of looking at these guys who they can bring in, who they think they will fit uh, within that defensive system and who have been able to unlock that. So, uh, Jordan, I, don't, you, I know you, you you tweeted at least one name, but but there, there's there's some options out there, right? I mean, they're not just they're not just, you know, picking through the picking through what's available here. I mean, there, there's a potential for a couple guys out there who could have a real impact on this defense, right? Yeah, I'm not just going through and sorting by age and looking for all the old guys. Right, like, <laughs> right. No, like there's some reporting that's been done to this too. You know, it's not just like, hey, this sounds cool. Right. Um, or so, who tweets a picture of an animal. Um, and oh, that, was that means he's coming to the Rams. <laughs> oh boy. I that was that was that was a day. That was funny because it was like his response. What movie is that from? Uh, Dumb and Dumber, or what is uh, that? Oh from? yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just like animals. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny day. Um, yeah, you know, I think so. For me, like any team in the league would be crazy to not be at least calling and inquiring about Brian Burns. I am. I don't. You know, this is this is just me saying this. This is not necessarily. I heard this from somebody, but I would be absolutely stunned if <laughs> while they are on the phone with the Panthers about Christian McCaffrey, sure. Les Snead did not ask Scott Fitterer about Brian Burns. I mean, that would be just poor professional work if he yes. did. So <laughs> I think that that's, that's certainly something we can count on having happened. And, you know, whether he's, whether that's manageable or not, the Panthers, they may, they may mess around and win a few games this year. I mean, like, yeah. It's a good team. It's just, it's been a little bit directionless over the last couple of years. And so anyway, so, uh, you know, that that's a long shot, but you know, you've seen crazy things happen before. I just, you know, I think that that is a long shot, but we'll see. Um, Bradley Chubb is somebody who I think could be really, really intriguing. He's entering the last year of his contract, had some injury history. Um, Baron Browning, who I know is hurt right now, 
but he really has been promising and, and sort of coming along um, in terms of what the, you know, with the Bron- Broncos roster build, the Broncos considering they may be quicker than some believe to make a coaching change um, or they may be quicker, you know, to sort of re-navigate where they're at right now in terms of the quarterback and coach pairing or what sort of is going so wrong there right now may want to recoup some picks. Um, the Rams picks that they sent them for Vaughn helped them go get Russell Wilson. They don't have those anymore. So you can recoup some picks because you do have a lot of stars on your defense. You have some really good players on your defense, including those who can help the Rams right now and into the future. Um, the Rams need to be looking at this too, in, in terms of, of big swing guys like a Brian Burns, like who again, think that's a long shot, but we'll see um, in terms of big swing guys like himself or like Bradley Chubb. Those are guys who you can then build around in a post Aaron Donald world when mm. that finally, when that day finally does come. And it's, you know, weird to even say it, but you do have to, you know, Les and Sean sign five year, five year deals essentially. So you need to right. be thinking about, about that. So, you know, Robert Quinn, I don't think you can ever rule him out of this type of conversation. Robert Quinn is uh, more in that veteran mold. Chicago is sort of not so subtly made it uh, clear very, through various leaks or whatever, however they do it um, up there, that they are shopping him, that they're willing to trade him. Now, this to me, though, would be really dependent on a salary pickup, kind of that sliding scale that Les and George Payton worked on last year with Vaughn. This would be sort of a similar situation because um, the salary as is, I don't think the Rams go for that. Mm. And, you know, you're you're kind of just looking around the league in that regard. You know, they in the spring, they talked about a guy like Daniil Hunter. And it. I don't know that the Vikings, they're, you know, they're playing well and the Vikings, you know, like their guys. And I think you know, you could have maybe wondered if if their season started out in a completely different way, then maybe you're having a different conversation, but they're playing well. So you might not want to keep, you know, rattle that core at all. But it is it is something that, like I said, this group has been talking about since May. So if this doesn't happen, it's either that they can't make it happen or something happened along the way. Um, and, and I think this is the right the right thing to do, not just for now, but in the future. You know, Rich, you talked about making a difference and like an instant boost and in every boost in every level. Pass rush creates turnovers. I mean, that's that's the thing. It, yeah. Whether it's a sack for a loss, which isn't technically a turnover, but it does change so much about the game plan, right. or whether it's pressure that helps your DBs. Um, and again, the thing that I get screamed out on. At, uh, about on Twitter the most helps your DBs play closer to the line of scrimmage if you can mm-hmm. get good pressure, by the way. Yeah. And um, and then you can make a play on the ball if you get good pressure, by the way. Um, pressure creates turnovers. Pressure creates change of game situationals. It creates stress for the offense. It helps your players in every single level move different. It helps you get more help and more layers and contours on the, the in the defensive backfield and in the in the middle intermediate layers of the field. It basically does everything that helps a um, a defense function better. And so I think that, no, this defense is not the problem by any means, but it's, right. like I said, it's not playing at its final form. I think everybody would agree, including internally on that. And if you can bring in an altering pass rusher, you can make things so much easier, especially on the other side, if you are expecting to get guys healthy and back, like you said. Yeah, I, I just think it's the smartest way to elevate because like you said, it's a great point, Jordan. It, it has repercussions on the offensive side, too. I mean, it's not just helping the defense. It's it's helping the defense so that the defense can help the offense, yeah. um, which is I mean, they've already been doing a, a great job of that for, for most of this season. And how but, many games this season, Rich, have we sat there and been slacking with each other in the message said defense might have to score? to be Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's uh, so, you know, you 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 and, in a way you hate to put that on them, but, but really I think as, as we sit here now, again, realistically speaking, that's probably the best path in terms of trades of, of elevating uh, that side of the ball, because I don't necessarily think it's going to happen organically. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Somebody could step up or come out of nowhere or suddenly start playing out of their mind. And, and yeah, yeah, it could happen, but, but looking at it realistically, I don't think you can expect that. Whereas on the offensive side of the ball, that could happen. You're going to get more healthy. You're going to have guys come 
come back. Uh, guys might get opportunities. We talked about Allen Robinson. You could hopefully he continues to grow and be a bigger, bigger part of that offense and, and makes it, you know, I, I, the way that I look at that is there's more potential on the offensive side for internal uh, growth or improvement right. than, than there is on the defensive side. And again, as I said, I think the Rams have a track record here. We'll, we'll see whether or not that's uh, whether it's skill or whether it's a little bit of luck involved, but they, they have had a track record here of going out and getting those guys uh, who can elevate specifically at that position. So Robert Quinn would be fascinating. A uh, great guy, by the way. And uh, yeah, I hear that. I hear he's a really, I hear him and well, I know Brian, Brian's an awesome person and I know, yeah. you know, I've heard good things about Bradley and heard great things about Robert as well. So, Hey, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd the be more the cool, merrier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a pretty cool full circle uh, uh, moment there. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. And uh, it, you know, fun times. Maybe not fun for. <laughs> uh, it, it, we always say it's a get to, not a have to. But uh, well, a lot a lot of work goes into this to to get these kind of insights. Because, uh, like you said, Jordan, it's it's one thing to look at rosters and kind of throw a dart and say, yeah, what about that guy? Uh, but uh, we know you you're you're always putting out information. If if you put if you publish it if you put a name on something then we know uh that it's it's something that's really been looked into and is a uh, potential option so really interesting time here really interesting week um to see what the rams are going to do here uh again as we record on monday morning we're going to find out a little bit more especially in terms of some of these injured players and and who might be able to come back who's maybe even coming back to practice things like that uh maybe we get a little more clarity on the cam Akers situation we'll we'll see how that develops uh, over the next week or so but uh yeah jordan it's uh it's gonna be fun isn't it uh, to, to see what happens this week because uh like you said if if something happens you're probably Probably not going to see it come down to the last minute. That's always possible. But uh, but now's the time. Now's the time that these moves are going to be made. Last year, if you guys will recall, um, my flight got canceled out of Houston. Oh. I was I slept in the airport and then I went to a hotel because I, I wasn't right. sure what was going to be happening. And that morning as I'm in the hotel where I otherwise would have been on a, fl- a subsequent flight that then also got canceled. Um, <laughs> I would have been on the plane and instead I was in place to receive a text message about the Rams trading for Von Miller yeah. and was able to help sort of break that story um, because I was in my, in a sitting in a hotel in Houston, Texas. And so, and so <laughs> that was a, that was a wild situation. So for me, it's like, the deadline, the timeline of this is all the way up until the yeah. clock strikes on November 1st. And I think um, for me, it's like you never know. I would I would imagine like, let's say it's a isn't Denver in London this week. It, let's say it's like a Bradley Chubb situation, like right. which this is just a hypothetical, guys. But let's say that's a situation they're navigating. Like it's hilarious to me because you have to travel out there early um, to get to that time zone in the first place or to get to that game in the first place. And so now you flip time zones. So now you're now you're as as chaotic as the Rams already are on an operational basis. Like now you're working in a London time. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, Oh my God, this anything could happen at any moment, really. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so, so I'm just sort of like, all right, well it, it was, it, I was where I needed to be when I needed to be there last year, even when I thought, my schedule had turned into a disaster. And so for me, I just kind of ride the wave, man. Well, I want to uh, congratulate your local coffee shop for their uh, <laughs> for their record profits uh, that will probably be coming in, in, the, in this, the rest of this month. So uh, great, great news for them and great news for our readers in, in all sincerity, because um, just a great job on this this McCaffrey stuff and and all around. I mean, we um, we had some fantastic reporting and fantastic stories uh, throughout that, and and really shows not not to pat ourselves on the back here, but but when you have the reach of you know Jordan in in L.A. and Joe Person in Carolina and Tim Kawakami up in the Bay Area, and and they're all pulling on the same end of the rope and doing awesome work. It really shows 
what we can do. So very proud of, of all of you and uh, looking forward to what we do over the next few days here. And of course, you should be following along on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. You get all of the updates. Again, it's going to be a big week uh, with some of these injury updates, whatever else may happen. So make sure you're following along uh, with Jordan. And of course, the good stuff, the good stuff is on the athletic app and website. And there's only one way to get that. But I have good news for you. You can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel right now. Join the club. Get all of Jordan's great coverage and make her day because you will get her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Um, make sure you do not miss Lost in the Sauce of the the last week that was. Um, do not miss a, a feature about a one Brandon Powell that's yes. at theathletic.com. Um I had I really enjoyed writing and reporting out that story because there are some people in that locker room that really said some cool things about Brandon Powell. And I think he's one to watch uh, moving forward in terms of, um, you know, being a guy who can sort of do it all. And I think is is closer to scoring a touchdown in a big moment than um, than maybe most would think when they see his like height listing on the roster, for example. <laughs> so um, you guys, please be taking care of each other. Please be taking care of yourselves. Um, make sure you're staying hydrated and caffeinated. Big game coming up this weekend. Um, you guys let me know in my mentions if you're if you're heading out that way. Um, let me know what the plans are. Let me know if you have any questions. And in the meantime, catch you next week. <laughs>